Welcome to Flunking the Written, a fully spoiled Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast in which two uber fans break down every episode of the show. Join Kimberly and Megan every other Tuesday as they overanalyze each scene and discuss the Buffyverse at large. Now let's meet up with the Scoobies and get into this episode of Flunking the Written. What can I say? I flunked the written. Alright, Kim, we have made it to Season 4, Episode 1, The Freshman. It is written and directed by Joss Whedon and the DVD blurb. Buffy's initial trouble adjusting to college life is soon overcome when she discovers the only difference between high school and college is that the monsters are bigger and badder. (laughs) But they're really not in this episode. What a weird blurb. (laughs) Yeah, that's... Sounds like it was written by someone who's never seen the show. <laughs> it's all kinds of vague. What a way to start the season. I have a lot of like gripes about this episode. I don't really dislike this episode, but it's it's definitely a season opener where they're trying to figure out the new structure of the show now that we're out of high school. And it's mm-hmm. got a lot of rough edges because of that. It, it does. Yeah. Unfortunately. And, and parts of it just make no sense at all. We'll just, we'll hop right in. We start in the graveyard. That's very Buffy. Yes. Very familiar. Giles is not there. Just Buffy and Willow. I don't know if they're trying to like point out that Giles isn't the watcher anymore or anything yeah. like that. He's just the absentee but, dad. Uh, But yeah, they're uh, picking out their courses or I guess Buffy's picking out her courses still. Willow is still figuring it. Like, it's weird because, like, it still announces later, like, Willow's just like, yeah, I got the courses I wanted. And I'm just like, it's the first day of class. Usually that's that's already figured out by that point. But maybe, I don't know. Is it the first day of class? Like, the next day is the first day of class. Uh, oh, yeah. Or something like that. It's basically within days of starting class. And yeah. you know, you know, there's, you can get into those classes early that Willow, Willow would have gotten it done already. She oh, would have had her schedule 100%. figured out like at the very beginning of summer. I, like there's no yeah. way. <laughs> as soon as she decided UC Sunnydale was where she was going, the entire like curriculum for her entire education would have been mapped out. <laughs> so there's a lot of, there's a lot of questionable things, but yeah, it's maybe two days before school, before classes actually start is kind of the, the vibe I'm getting based on how the the show proceeds from here and Buffy's trying to figure out what classes she should take and Willow's making suggestions such as the introduction to the modern novel yeah like almost every class that they mention in this scene is a class I would want to take yeah like like they're so specific (laughs) it's like that and then what's the one that they eventually what is it called images of pop culture oh gosh And then when they meet the next day, I'm going ahead and say this now because it's in it. Willow says that she had to switch modern poetry for ethnomusicology. <laughs> Musicology. But that's cool. West African drumming, I think it's going to change everything for me. So like West African drumming is a, is a very specific class. It's hyper specific. First of all, these are not typically the classes you take in your freshman year. Um, no, these are like senior <laughs> level of electives. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of that kind of stuff where I'm like head scratching my way through this. But it's it's funny because in this conversation, 
Buffy also talks about like how Willow's had her major picked out forever. But I was like, do we do we ever get Willow's major? Because my gut would be like some kind of computer science degree of some sort. Yeah. But like she barely we barely see her pursue anything with computers in college. It's always like deeper thinking and like, you know, philosophy. Yeah, yeah. she's all into that stuff. It's an odd it's an odd mix the uh the classes they choose to go for yeah. in college. <laughs> but they're taking psych. That's that's pretty they are taking psych. That's pretty common like an early course to take. I don't and know like, how often that- you can count it as a science requirement though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they say that 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 can be um, counted as a science requirement. I don't think so. <laughs> and like, there's other science requirements. Like, you yeah. have to take it's, the sciences. Yeah, it's not just one it's science. Like, it's, like it's, uh liberal arts, not science. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> I think maybe they said that to make the whole Maggie Walsh creating a Frankenstein yeah. monster make more sense because science. She's a like, scientist. <laughs> she should have been like the anatomy professor or something, you know? Ooh. <laughs> so already off to a great start. Real, real messy. This entire time they're waiting on a vamp to rise. Um, and Buffy's kind of talking about how, you know, she hasn't been able to focus on school so much because it's been a sleigh heavy summer and she's worried that school's gonna, you know, take her edge. And while they're talking, the vampire actually claws out of the grave, starts to approach, sees the weapons, and pieces out while they're completely distracted. And uh, yeah, so Buffy's a little out of sorts. Not not really sure what direction she's going in. She's not in high school anymore. And that's that's the opener. I just, I don't understand why they're sitting with their backs to the grave. <laughs> it seems like <laughs> if you're waiting yeah. specifically for that vamp to rise, <laughs> you could just... Sit on the you know, other side of the gravestone it. you're leaning against. <laughs> yeah, to, to see it. <laughs> and also, I'm going to mention this more than once in this episode and the next episode. Okay. Because it drives me crazy. Why aren't they roommates? <laughs> Why aren't they roommates? Of the you ima- can request a roommate. Like- and if two people request the same roommate, they let them room together. So it's so odd because the things that are pretty flexible in college, apparently aren't flexible at all at UC Sunnydale. But the things that you would have to jump through so many hoops to do, you could just Dude, get that done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's easy. <laughs> Going on the path of UC Sunnydale doesn't make a whole lot of sense. After we get our, our lovely opening credits, we get Buffy's kind of like, First day, freshman orientation, crazy, you know, crowds and everything like that. I was just like, so I've accepted that Sunnydale has a college that we've never really elaborated on. That is also apparently just like five miles away. So like, it's like right in the heart of town. Like, it's not like something that has the Sunnydale name, but kind of almost is its own little city outside of Sunnydale. It's it's within the the Sunnydale like stratosphere. But it's this big. <laughs> it's this yeah. big of a school. <laughs> mm-hmm. That you can get lost there. It's like super lost. Even with a map, you're still lost. <laughs> but it it really falls away after this episode. And like I could kind of see that they were going for a vibe of it feels that big to Buffy. Like if you get that deep into Buffy's headspace, that like that's how crowded it felt. That's how massive that library felt. Like it just feels that way. 
but realistically, that's not actually what it is. But it doesn't give you enough clues to say that that's really what they're going for. Like, this is this is the actual school. There's that many students actually there. That library is actually that massive and elaborate and detailed. They have world-renowned teachers there. I mean... <laughs> But definitely after this, I think UC Sunnydale definitely like shrinks in scale. It doesn't feel this big later on in the run in the college years. Why do you say that? I just like, I guess just because maybe it's just not as prominent, but you get your tiny little cafeteria space and your tiny little lounge space after this because they have to have regular sets. Yeah. <laughs> And we never see that library again. No, that's an on-location filming spot. They couldn't do that all the time. They were just like, we're going to do this one and done. It's going to be a big library. It's going to be real pretty. And we're never going to see it again. <laughs> I'm sure that's an actual library. And I'm sure I've known it at some point, what library that is or what film location that is. It is very pretty. We've already bounced around a lot. So yeah. uh, first day orientation. <laughs> that's where yes. we were. <laughs> And Buffy is completely lost and has no idea where to go or what to do. Yes. Seems weird. Buffy's never been uh, uncertain, mm -hmm. shy, confused type. And they do that a lot in this episode. Yeah. Um, and she's never really seemed to have a problem with new... Like, this is the same girl who, at 16 years old, ran away to Los Angeles... The mm -hmm. giant city of Los Angeles for an entire two and a half months. Yeah. And worked as a waitress and rented her own apartment. And she can't handle checking in. At <laughs> yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. It's definitely character breaking for me a little bit. Like, I get the vibe yeah. that they're going for. But it's, you know, yeah, little fish in big ocean. But, like, Buffy's from L.A. <laughs> She's used to crowds. She's used to chaos. <laughs> and the scene where she's walking through and like every like five steps, another person hands her a flyer. Mm -hmm. That, no. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's groups like that, but not that much. Yeah. Um, she realizes she has the wrong color folder from announcement that someone's making and tries to like leave to go in the direction she's supposed to go. And she walks kind of through a protest and then uh, a party. And then um, the script says a conservative young woman that mm. hands her a leaflet uh, asking if she has accepted Jesus Christ as her savior. You know, I meant to. And, and then I just got really busy. The party where the guy specifically says free jello shots for freshman women. Yeah. Don't go to that that's, party. That's creepy. That's not the party you want don't to Don't go to that party for for a couple of and reasons. If you're going to insist on that, going to that party, don't go to that party alone. Yeah. So the free jello shots for freshman women is, is a creepy thing to say. But also, mm -hmm. like, the type of parties that we have at UC Sunnydale are the type of parties that apparently you have to pay for your drinks. I didn't think about that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I guess do, do fraternities and sororities do that? Like uh, sometimes, sometimes there's like, I, I would assume some kind of cover charge to get into the party. But yeah. like, I mean, I went specific to drinks I, being free <laughs> versus. I yeah, I occasionally went to a sorority or fraternity party, but like that wasn't really my scene. Yeah. So. <laughs> like, yeah, it just seems like I, a, don't, I don't remember them ever charging for drinks. Though. Yeah. 
it's just weird on multiple levels. But yeah, if they have, no. if their advertising for a party is targeted towards, hey, we're going to get freshman women drunk, don't go to that party. But then Willow, like, just kind of runs into Buffy. Mm-hmm. Which, again, is weird. Because why aren't they doing this together? Why didn't they meet? Yeah, they just happen to run into each other on this giant campus. Yeah, that's the part that like makes it feel like maybe they're playing with the idea that it's bigger in Buffy's head than it actually is because they show these huge wide shots of these uh, great crowds and the feeling lost and not being able to figure out where your building is and all of that stuff later on. But also Buffy just randomly runs into Willow multiple times this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Just out and, and about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're just, they just stumble upon each other. <laughs> yeah. um, and Willow mentions that it's so cool. There's so much stuff going on and that she's, she's got a whole stack of leaflets and flyers in her hand and she's excited about all of them. Mm-hmm. And she says, I'm angry about each and every one. <laughs> and then Buffy shows her jello shots and Willow's like, I didn't get jello shots. And uh, says, I'll trade you a take back the night. And, <laughs> Buffy just gives all of hers to Willow. But like, why are you trying to take back the night? You go to take back the night. <laughs> maybe she maybe she got multiples. <laughs> maybe. Um and then Buffy uh is asking about like she needs to get her ID card and Willow's like, Oh, I got mine already. It's the line's really long and uh They did not coordinate well. <laughs> no, not at all. And Willow kind of gives a little speech about how hard it is to learn in high school and how here Everyone wants to learn, and it's just amazing, and all the knowledge and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they run into Oz on this yeah. giant campus. Yeah, it's big and small at the same time. <laughs> I like how Oz is kind of sympathizing with Buffy, but also completely in his element. And yeah. it's very much understood here that Oz is older than all them. These people. Yeah, yeah. So like, there is there is probably people that go to this school that were that graduated when he was originally supposed to graduate that he's reconnected yeah. with on top of everything else. Uh, so he's, his friend circles increase a lot. Good for you, Oz. <laughs> yeah. Oz is one that's definitely shown to have like a lot of friends outside the Scoobies. Like he's like people, oh, yeah. people just gravitate to Oz. He's friends with everybody. He's that kind of person. And I believe it. <laughs> okay. And they go to the library and uh, some comments about, Giles and where he's at and how he's unemployed. Yeah. And they mentioned Sanders yeah. and where he's at. I put he's driving to all 50 states. Yeah. I just put, and this is like, I think the clunkiest part about this episode is it's just constant conversations about stuff you know these characters already know just to fill in the audience, just to remind the audience. It's literally yeah. just exposition dump after exposition dump. And it's so tedious. To watch when you really start thinking about it, you're like why are they talking like this is new information <laughs> yeah well i mean this one kind of the way they say it have you heard from xander yeah and then willow says something he specifically told her so it is tedious and you're, yeah. you yeah know, they try to make it work but it, it's it it's definitely like this is exposition for the audience. <laughs> this is how this scene always plays in my head when I'm watching it. I'm just like, ah, I see what we're doing here. <laughs> this very organic conversation that's happening here. I see what its purpose is. <laughs> so they get into the library. It's amazing. Willow's so excited. She uh, badmouths Giles' library back at Sunnydale High. Yeah. <laughs> Badmouth the Sunnydale High library. <laughs> 
And then they transition in some way where I'm not really sure if they're in like a part of the library or a bookstore off the library or how this all connects, but they're definitely getting their books for their classes. That's where oh, they've, yeah. they've oh, transitioned. They have this bookstore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they went to the library, which may be attached to the bookstore. I, I can't quite figure it out. <laughs> but it's definitely, they're definitely buying the books because Buffy, of course, has that line of the bill for these books and how when her mom gets it that she hopes it's a funny aneurysm, which is woof. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, oh my heart. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Uh, so yeah wow (laughs) and uh they find the yeah Ah. (laughs) moving on just go on like you didn't just say that no we gotta move on (laughs) we got stuff we got riley (laughs) (sighs) so they find the introduction to psychology books they're at the top of the shelf buffy tries to reach but she's indeed a short person i can relate the way buffy acts (laughs) in this scene this this is you would think she's never seen a guy before. Like she did not have a almost two year long relationship <laughs> with a man who was two hundred years older than her. <laughs> she is acting like the thirteen year old in junior high act when they get to go to the movie theater with their older sister. Perhaps and her friend. Perhaps the regression that they decide to place on Buffy is a little harsh. <laughs> a little, yeah. But yeah, she knocks some books over and bonks Riley on the head. He's a well-liked Buffy character that nobody has any problems with. So here's my thing. I really like the introduction of Riley. I really like Riley at the beginning. They definitely fell his character at places throughout his arc. And we'll talk about that at length when we get to those sections, I am sure. But like, Mark Blukas is just like the most charming guy ever. (laughs) And so much of just my love for Mark Lucas just carries through. And I'm just like, God. He's Captain America. (laughs) He's like Captain America. Yeah, he kind of has that. But like, it's just, he's so charming. And there's things in this episode that I forgot were very like Riley things to do. And he doesn't do them all the time because they keep like taking him down those really dramatic paths. But when he's just like has his dry wit about him he's just very charming and i enjoy just the like i i would have liked riley as just the ta like they did all the initiative stuff and they do all these like you know demon fighter stuff but just riley the ta who's passionate about psychology and wants to like hang out with willow because willow's also passionate about psychology i like that guy i never really had a problem with riley and i feel like he has more of a personality in season four than he does in season five. Yes. I think like once season five starts and they kind of know that they're going to end that relationship, like the writers know that they're going to end it. Um, they kind of make him have less of a personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, they definitely fail him in places. If, if people are coming to us, I think to hear a bunch of Riley hate, this is probably not the podcast. Oh, no. no. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not probably not ever going to hate on any of the characters. And I'm not sure that I ever have, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm going to hate on the writers a lot. <laughs> and the thing, decisions they make. Yeah. We do have this this meet cute between Riley oh, and so Riley and cringe. Buffy. It's not a meet cute. It's so <laughs> but she's so like, nice to meet. <laughs> it hurts to watch. Willow and Buffy have switched places. <laughs> and Willow is the cool, in-charge, popular person and 
Buffy is the little spaz standing behind. Yes. They have switched from like where they were in the first episode of the entire series. Yes. It's beautiful. Yeah. Which, I mean, Buffy was kind of initially the the it girl in high school. So you could kind of see that she would be out of her element in college, potentially, if you were going to a, like, prestigious school. But you see Sunnydale? Yeah. (laughs) You see Sunnydale with their world-renowned psych teachers? Okay, I'm going to move on from that. But yeah, like Riley and like Willow hit it off. Um, I kind of wish that they had expanded on this more throughout and just had like a a Riley Willow friendship with their love of school because I think that would have been adorable. They they wander off and and you know leave Buffy to be on her own, be on her own, yeah. and be all embarrassed because she said that she was nice to meet, which I still love that. <laughs> I wish of all of the random Buffy speak that enters into my my regular conversational dialogue i wish that one did anytime like somebody says it's nice to meet you and me replying with i'm nice to meet would just make my day but i just it's never it's never made its way in there (laughs) so we see buffy going through the uh the hallway at the dorm and entering in her very like you know realistically sized freshman dorm room which they pointed out, at least in the show, they're just like, man, this is this is a nice room, isn't it? <laughs> it's pretty nice. Yeah, it's pretty nice for a, for a college dorm room and big. <laughs> it is the size of a lot of, you know, people in like urban living situations, apartments. <laughs> it is it is a very large dorm room. <laughs> I have definitely seen a lot of New York City apartments that are half this size. <laughs> yeah. I think the furniture is probably about normal. With yeah. Built-in desks and all that. There's just so much space, though. They have all yeah, the space. There, there's a lot of waste. There's a lot of wasted space in between. Like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe the student body, like, uh, drops pretty dramatically throughout the year so they can have larger rooms. And it's kind of kind of awkward at the beginning because I mean, you I, may not have I rooms can... for everybody but like by the end of the semester by the end of the first semester everybody's got a room because there's not that many students left <laughs> i mean probably <laughs> we are still in sunnydale we've only gone yeah. five miles down the road <laughs> so we meet kathy she's lovely she's annoying <laughs> now i thought you weren't gonna talk bad about any of the characters cam <laughs> this is not a this is not a a, a main character <laughs> i'm in main character <laughs> Okay, so in this scene, Kathy is very, very perky and hyper and excited and stuff. And uh, I will mention the scene in the show where she starts to, she's putting up a poster. Mm-hmm. And Buffy gets a look on her face when she sees it. And it's a Celine Dion poster. So in the script, it's supposed to be a Backstreet Boys poster. Oh. It says, as she continues to talk, Kathy puts up a Backstreet Boys poster. Mm. Yeah. I thought that was interesting when I read it. Yeah. I like I like the Celine Dion like it's just so like for for some reason it's one of those I'm just like I bet like that's what she's that's what Kathy's rocking out to that's yeah. Kathy's jam that just fits with that character. <laughs> I think it's better too. I'm yeah. guessing that's why they changed it. <laughs> Maybe once they saw that performance, they were like, "Oh, wait." <laughs> yeah. That's Kathy. That's Kathy. We'll get a little bit more Kathy in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Then the next day, she is in a giant, Buffy is in a giant lecture hall. 
and a very gruff professor is down there talking about what uh, the pop culture class is going to be like. Mm-hmm. And Buffy goes to ask someone beside her if the class is full, and the professor immediately calls her out, like, in a giant room. And, like, there had to be, what, 60, 70 students in there? Yeah. And not a uh, single one of them other than Buffy was making a peep. Talking. I don't believe yeah. that for a second. <laughs> and he immediately knows it's her. Yeah. Uh, and he calls her out and tells her to stand up. And I'm very excited to hear what you have to say that's worth interrupting my lecture. And it's very, very crotchety old teacher mm-hmm. who's been teaching high school for 30 years. Like, this is not college professor <laughs> stuff. Like, I never had a single college professor like this. I not singling out a student, but I had one experience with a college professor basically kicking out the entire class. It was the only class I remember dropping. Like, I immediately went and dropped that class because the college professor was just, like, that aggressive with with their students. (laughs) But, like, in the first minute of the first class? Pretty much. We went and sat down in the first class, and they asked us to get out our books and it was a class of like six to eight students nobody had their books yet and she kicked us all out <laughs> okay <laughs> you know you don't ever buy your books before the first day of class. i have ne- i that is advice i will go to the grave telling every college student don't buy your books before the first day of the class <laughs> Sometimes the teacher is like, don't buy this book. Yeah. Or buy this other book. Or um, here's a copy of the book that yeah. I printed out for you. <laughs> or go to this website. This is where the book's at. You don't have to buy. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Never buy the book because the second you walk out the bookstore with that book, it's like a car. It lost three-fourths of its value. Yeah. <laughs> I have a friend who was kicked out of a theater class because he wasn't a theater major. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> So, like, if you get into, like, hyper-specific classes, sometimes you get to those teachers. But this is, like, a classroom with, like you said, 50 students in it. It's, it's, you know some people are just taking it because it looks like it's going to be a fun class. (laughs) It's not just Buffy. And I'm sure more than just Buffy decided not to take that class that semester after that encounter. (laughs) She asked about the class. He's very insulting. He's very rude. Saying she's sucking energy from everyone in the room. <laughs> and, like, tells her to get out more than once while she's literally trying to get out. Yeah. It, it doesn't, it's, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Buffy leaves. I don't think I've had one as bad as that. This is definitely a dramatized version. But yeah. this can exist in college of just a teacher who is on some kind of power trip. <laughs> yeah. Then she heads to her next class. She runs into Riley. And Riley refers to her as Willow's friend. Yep. <laughs> and Buffy is, ooh, she is disappointed about that. Mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, when did Buffy become such a spaz? Uh, like, seriously, she she asked Riley if the prof- next professor is going to yell at her and kick yeah. her out of class. Literally for this episode until she's suddenly not at the end with no real explanation. <laughs> And also that one episode with with um, Owen, that one too. <laughs> those are the only those are the only spaz Buffy episodes. She wasn't so much spazzy in that one as as like trying to be something she wasn't. Yeah, she's pretty she's spazzy in that one. Spazzy in this one. I have to go watch that one again. I don't remember her being spazzy. 
Like this is this is definitely a forced trying to capture this moment in time. And like a lot of a lot of kids get overwhelmed by the beginning of college. It definitely happens. But it is it is something so weird to feel like Buffy's in this position. When Buffy was like excited to go across the country to go to college. Like that's what Buffy wanted to do. And now she's where she can just drive home. Well, she can't drive. Where she can just go home. <laughs> she can run really fast home with her slayer speed at any point and be home. And she's freaking out. <laughs> it is a good thing you decided not to go across country to go to school. <laughs> so a bit of the charming Riley comes through here when, when Buffy asks about his head. My head's fine. Just stung for a bit and I lost most of my basic motor functions. It's no big and that's like a trend of Riley that I forgot exists. I always remember the line in season five. He tells her that he's not mad. He's plotting her death, sure, but in a happy way. <laughs> and there's just, I like when that, when that Riley comes through. I like that Riley. <laughs> he makes me giddy. And uh, then, then after asking if Professor Walsh is going to kick her out, he's like, it's not in her lesson plan. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's a weird it's a question with no dude. context. So Buffy goes to sit down. Willow's there. Willow and Oz are there. And Willow asks, uh, how was the pop culture class? And she said, it seemed dull. And then Professor Walsh comes in and um, makes a, a very striking introduction. Uh, again, like very aggressive teachers all around. Like, yeah. <laughs> They're trying to make it how hard college is. Yeah. Like, trying to show you how hard and uncaring college is. Yeah. <laughs> we get through her and her, like, weird call out to what her TAs call her and, you know, how it's a hard class and that she assigns a lot of work and she expects everybody to keep up. And then she says the line, if you're looking to coast, I recommend Geology 101. That's where the football players are. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I would drop every class that you see Zanitel immediately. <laughs> I'd be like, no, thank you. Then we have her after class, I guess, by herself in the dark, walking around campus. But like, where did where did Willow go? Where did Oz go? Yeah. <laughs> what what amount of time has passed here? It's very disjointed yeah. and uncertain. But that's okay, because we have Pedro Pascal. Yes. <laughs> One of those celebrities every now and again, people was just like, guess who was in Buffy? <laughs> but he plays Eddie. He's very young. He's very baby-faced. He's definitely not in Game of Thrones or Mandalorian at this point. <gasps> Confused as all get out. Okay, I did not know. I did not know he was the Mandalorian. <laughs> did not know until just now. <laughs> oh my gosh. I gotta go watch this episode again. <laughs> He's so baby-faced in it. He's so cute. <laughs> Did not know. But yes, the, the part that we've pointed out multiple times, this campus is so big that not only does Buffy and Eddie both lose their way, but Eddie even has a map. And it takes them both, like, scrutinizing it for a while to figure out how this map works. And we can see the map in his hands. It is, it is not that complicated. <laughs> it does not look nearly as complicated as they're making it out to be. <laughs> no, not even close. Oh, the poor babies. They're just little freshmen. So they kind of figure out where they are and where they need to head, and then they start walking. 
and they talk about security blankets. And this is when Eddie, you know, just casually drops uh, human bondage. <laughs> just just like, you know, oh, yeah, of human bondage. That that famous, you know, book that Buffy would totally know. Like, just, and she's just like, okay, so that's porn? <laughs> and uh, he, he explains that, no, it's just a novel and that he reads it all the time and it keeps it by his bed and hits his security blanket. There's some some hidden meaning, I'm sure, uh, of why of human bondage was was selected. My understanding, I've never read it, and I didn't really take time to like read a full synopsis. But it's kind of something to do about attempts to like break away from institutions and then ultimately ultimately being forced back into the institutions. So like, yeah, I see that college, all that. It's all very institutionalized. I get you. I, I see. Yeah. I see the nods. <laughs> But yeah, they're they're walking along, and Buffy says that the closest thing that she has to a security blanket is Mr. Pointy, and then quickly changes the topic when Eddie inquires about that, and they discover that they take Psych together, and basically talk about how the, you know, scary Walsh is, and how scary school is, and maybe it's supposed to get easier, and like, you know, we're... Well, at least, you know, you know, kindred spirits and the fact that we're completely lost and have no clue. And they say goodnight and uh, Buffy walks away and Eddie immediately dies. Because, <laughs> of course, he does. Yeah. <laughs> immediately. <laughs> Within seconds of Buffy being gone. <laughs> so, Sunday. Lots of characters. Lots of characters. Sunday Sunday shows up, asks if Eddie lost his way, and we expect that Eddie is uh, is is not long for this world. We go through the commercial break, and it kind of shows all the vampires gather all of Eddie's things and leave a note. And then we cut to psych class uh, dismissing where Buffy's trying to figure out where, where Eddie is. is. Where could he be? And I love the little where line of Willow, like, you made a friend. And Buffy's like, thanks, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, Buffy... Figures out, you know, suddenly the campus is very small and, and, and easy to figure out. She, she oh, yeah, gets, gets directly to, to his dorm. I mean, he did say what dorm he was in, but like, I guess just ask the RA. And he's like, oh, yeah, here he is. His, here's his missing stuff. You can go, go like, look through his dorm room. Um, <laughs> yeah, apparently and, they do that. And she, uh, she finds his security blanket in the nightstand. So she knows something is up. Ooh. Ooh. I like. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty smooth little. I don't think it was so smooth that Eddie was just like, "Oh, security blanket." I'm gonna talk about this book or the the you know like how he just like blurted that out. But I do like the idea of that's the clue that it wasn't just a yeah. runaway that Buffy picked up on the that that book was still there. And she's like, "Now he would not have left this behind." There's there's something nice about that little that little moment. And then we we cut to the the vamps little lair. And there is a uh, very surfer-like dude vampire, <laughs> which is funny. And I actually think he's in a another episode later, which is kind of like... Yeah, they um, do that. The hat trick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then just regular guy, Sunday, who is obviously in charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically her minions. There's another girl there, too, who is trying on clothes of Eddie's. And Sunday's going through his CDs. They're basically looting his stuff. Yeah. They make a little joke about uh, what kind of poster each the freshman 
mm-hmm. students have, and they've got a little tally going up there for it. And uh, yeah, it's very interesting to see like materialistic vampires in this way. Like we've definitely yeah, no one else ever does that yeah we definitely get that again with with harmony and i like when watching this episode i was just like this is kind of like a different version of harmony's gang like it kind of has that feel like sunday's definitely more menacing than harmony is but like it kind of has that vibe of they're just that they're just vampires goofing off they're not they're not into world domination they don't want to, like, cause a big stir. They're actually kind of trying to do stuff in such a way where it's, yeah. They're, they're, they're trying to do stuff in a way where it's not going to draw attention to them. Like, they're just, they're just having a good time, just chilling. <laughs> like, normal live, upon the peop- live among the people vampires. Yeah. They're talking about how they're hungry and Sunday, like, you know, it's, we eat when I say we eat and kind of yells at them and then makes a comment about how they're going to let dead Eddie find their dinner and it the camera races over you can see eddie asleep on the floor mm-hmm. well dead on the floor and his eyes snap open so then we go to giles's house mm-hmm. or his apartment and buffy for some reason giles has the door slightly ajar because that's smart in sunnydale and she kind of sees it ajar and walks in calling for him and there is a beautiful woman yes yes gorgeous i was i was gonna say like it was it was gonna be hard for them to like pitch a woman that's just like yeah yeah like she's worthy of giles right because giles is on such a high bar but holy crap olivia (laughs) yeah she sees buffy and is like um hi and buffy explains that she's looking for Giles. She needs his help. Giles comes out and tells Olivia she's a former student and uh, she's going to go change into something less comfortable. <laughs> yes. So she leaves and uh, Buffy kind of gets a little upset with Giles for having a sex life. Yeah. Wrote, He's old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> very, very old. And this, this happens in this episode and the next episode. Might happen in another one. Okay. But this one and the next episode where they don't listen to Buffy. Yeah. In this episode, it's only Giles. But in the next episode, it's like all of them. Yeah. And they don't listen to her. They ignore what. And I'm like, you know, she's usually right. She has y'all, a pretty good kind of, track record. I don't know if, if y'all been paying attention. <laughs> yeah. It's like I get frustrated when I'm watching uh, House. The medical show house. Because mm-hmm. like they always argue with him. And he's, he's always, always right. right. <laughs> it's like it's like they like don't I even know, watch that show. <laughs> well, I know they're not watching the show, but like they been, they know that he's always right. Maybe all of the cases that he works off camera, like the ones that aren't don't make the episode, he's like constantly wrong, so it balances out. Well, Buffy's not. Buffy's and not. I will. I, I will. I will Giles stand with you on that. Kinda, he's kind of like, <laughs> oh yeah. Not. She tells him she's worried about Eddie that he disappeared. Something's happening, and he's like, um, no, this isn't really a thing. And if it is, you can do it yourself. And I'm not your watcher anymore, mm-hmm. and uh, can't be there to guide you. And she gets kind of hurt. And oh, okay, I'm sorry to bug you, you know, because she just needed somebody. Yeah. So she leaves. And Buffy is wandering the campus, and there are a lot of people 
Mm-hmm. And she looks off in the distance and she sees Eddie. And he looks at her, then turns around and takes off and she chases him. Eddie! Eddie, hey! Wait up. God, I was worried that something had happened to you. And of course it has because you're a vampire. I'm sorry. I'm not. I love that little I'm sorry, like right after she realizes. Yeah. It's so it's so genuine. And like yeah. just understood in that moment. Beautifully acted. I feel like this Sarah Michelle Geller might be a talented actor. <laughs> oh, you think so? Yeah. I have a feeling. <laughs> I have a feeling. <laughs> I might be onto something with that one. <laughs> uh, but he says that he's not. And like. No, he's not sorry. Yeah. T- takes her seconds to stake him. Like no, oh, no yeah. effort at all. But then Sunday comes out. And uh, weirdly. weirdly, just owns Buffy <laughs> in a lot yeah. of different ways. Makes like calls her out on all of her insecurities, insults her outfit, and then gets the jump on her, and continues to like wallop Buffy easily, just taking her to the ground and eventually like messing up her arm bad, and to the point where yeah. Buffy flees. Like we see Buffy run from a fight. Holy crap! And this, and they do this sometimes where just a normal vampire gets the better of Buffy. And it always feels weird, but I always like the idea that it reminds us that no matter how powerful Buffy gets, no matter how, how big of threats she ends up facing, there is still danger in the day-to-day. And the fact that she's kind of off her game and she just fights this group of vampires that any other given day she might have easily owned, but she's off. She just saw someone that she saw as a potential friend dead. She's feels kind of abandoned by a lot of her friends and she's just out of sorts. And then her outfits get insulted and she just gets beat it up. <laughs> but I like that there's still a threat of a single vampire who just knows how to take advantage of Buffy in this moment. It doesn't really there, work out at the end where Buffy just suddenly doesn't have any shortcomings anymore and is able to easily take care of Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Flip-flops. There's there's two theories here. One is a fan theory I read once. Um, I don't even remember where. And the other one is something you and I have actually talked about before in uh, School Hard. Okay. Where Buffy, her feelings aren't great right now. She's mm-hmm. insecure. She's uncomfortable. She's not at home. And that comes across in her slaying. Yes. She's not as good of a slayer because she doesn't feel as confident in herself. Mm-hmm. And then the other is a, the other theory is a fan theory I read about. I don't know. I don't remember when or where. But it was a long time ago. But that Sunday is actually in the slayer line like she was supposed to be a slayer but got turned into a vampire and so that's why she so easily takes Buffy down this first fight yeah I could see that like she definitely works as a counter to Buffy like she definitely was cast very specifically to be a Buffy representation of Mm -hmm. just like a very confident strong blonde versus Buffy's insecure struggling to to keep up blonde Uh, you know (laughs) 
But uh, I do like I hadn't really thought about the um, the tradition of when, you know, life kind of feels crappy that Buffy's will to fight decreases being represented in this episode the same way that it's represented in School Hard. But I feel like, yeah, you're right. It definitely is that same vibe of when she's when she's not in it emotionally and you and you know, like Buffy's talked about how much her emotions play into her ability to slay when she's not feeling it emotionally she doesn't fight as well and she definitely gets her ass handed to her here oh yeah definitely (laughs) not it's not pretty sight and it always breaks your heart when you see buffy hurt and fleeing for her life (laughs) you're just like oh my my poor buffy i will protect you i won't actually because i would die instantly but i will protect you (laughs) (laughs) this this whole this whole episode hurts for buffy yeah she just has the worst job yeah it's not a good it's not a good first day of college her 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 oh yeah this is still the first day her her, like it's probably the second day at this point but like it's the beginning of the it's the first week and i'm just like drop out there's other paths (laughs) you could do something different i would say it's at least a few days because eddie has risen but the the show has never been consistent yeah Sometimes they rise in the the morgue at the hospital, sometimes in the funeral home, and sometimes they actually get buried before they rise. So So then uh, we're in Buffy's dorm room, and uh, she's kind of cradling her arm and and staring out the window. Mm -hmm. Then we get Buffy, like, walking out onto campus out of one of the buildings. And then, like, you know, Willow and Oz are just there. Again, proof that maybe this campus isn't as big as it's shown to be in in some of the scenes. Because they're just just there. You just run into them real easy. And uh, the uh, the vamps layer again, where they're discussing uh, Sunday's, you know, stunning defeat of the Slayer and kind of just bra- bragging on her and talking about Buffy's fashion, ch- fashion choices again. We do have a song here. Um, there's several songs throughout this episode. I'm just going to highlight a couple of them. I am going to, like, put myself on the spot now, though, that I am going to update the playlist on the YouTube page because I have not done that in a long time. So we've had her break. <laughs> in between seasons break i'm gonna have this done before before this this podcast airs this is this is my reminder this is the 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 note to editing megan <laughs> get that done because it needs to be updated uh but this is i wish that i could be you by the muffs and it's you know kind of got some some lines of like uh feeling feeling like pulled down and feeling like they could fly and stuff like that it's it's definitely like a i don't i don't feel good in my own skin <laughs> but you look like you got your your life together <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting that this is played when the vampires are just like lounging and stuff and not played when Buffy's <laughs> being all sad and uncomfortable in her own skin. But it is <laughs> it is in the episode where Buffy's all sad and uncomfortable in her own skin. But yeah, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a little line where Sunday says that uh, Buffy's not going to last the night. Uh, and it says that the, the vamps need to hit the tunnels. So uh, yeah foreshadowing something that's gonna happen in just a little bit but first we go home and boy do i have questions it's Hmm, real stupid questions but like it's questions so buffy goes home she's talking about how she's just kind of tired and figured that you know she didn't have class she could just come home and crash in her 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 actual bed which is like valid but like she goes to her room and realizes that joyce has 
crammed it with a bunch of stuff from the museum, like a bunch of crates of stuff from the museum because mm-hmm. they're doing inventory, inventory. in the ga- at the gallery, right? They're doing inventory. So like, one, they don't have a place at the museum that they could store that or a storage building. But two, where they decide to store it was at Joyce's house, not in the ample space that's available downstairs <laughs> that she is currently occupying by herself. But no, she took all of those heavy things upstairs <laughs> and stored them in Buffy's bedroom. I was just like, that just seems like a lot of extra work for just yeah. a couple of weeks of storage. <laughs> She's like, oh, it's just going to be a couple of weeks. I'm just like, like, who did you have that was willing to do that for you? I know you didn't carry all that stuff upstairs. Like, what kind of manpower do you have at that gallery that they're just like, no, oh, this is perfectly reasonable to carry all of this to your house yeah, sure, and take it upstairs <laughs> and stack it in this bedroom upstairs Instead of, I don't know, this massive dining room that you're, you know, eating your dinners at alone. Yeah. (laughs) Also, there's a lot of jobs where you take your work home. But, like, Joyce seems to literally take these, like, priceless pieces home a lot. (laughs) And I feel like that's not the kind of job you take home. (laughs) Owns the gallery, so they're hers. I guess. You know. Although it never, it does never mention them selling the gallery or closing the gallery or anything. What she yeah, does. like that gallery's got to be worth some money because like yeah. that's a that's a, a investment Joyce has made in to that over the years, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and she must own it. There's no way she's allowed to take this stuff home if she doesn't own it. Like it's not yeah, and like <laughs> Buffy. Buffy could have worked there instead of the Double Meat Palace. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fixing all of this. Mm. Lots of questions. But anyway, just another way to make Buffy feel insecure and unwanted. That's what that scene is. <laughs> and the same. She's not wanted at home. Not even wanted at home. <laughs> Buffy returns downstairs and we get the little little tie-in to the premiere of Angel where Angel calls and Buffy answers and says hello. The realization when you watch both of these episodes together and that first time of understanding, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> so she returns to her dorm and finds that all of her things are gone and that there's a note on her bed that just says, you know, this is too much for me. I've decided to take off uh, and good luck this year. And she just kind of sits and clutches the note. Buffy's Buffy's having a really rough first week of college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not great. And then she goes to the bronze where there's moody music playing and she thinks she sees Angel. So still not great. Um, I mean, at this point, the only place left for her to try to go is the high school. Yeah. After the, after the bronze. Let's go and chill at the, you know, exploded high school. Let's let's. Well, they do later. But... Oh, man. Okay, oh, so she is at the bronze and guess who she runs into? Who? <laughs> Xander. Wow. Xander. <laughs> in the, the first part of the episode, you're like, is Xander even going to be in this episode? How weird. But then you forget. Yeah. You forget about it. And then, well, there he is. Mm-hmm. Here he is. Um, what an odd thing they decided to do with Xander. <laughs> He's going on this cross crunchy trip, but it falls apart. And then Xander gets his version of Buffy's and Summer, but 
Somehow it involves male strippers, because of course it does. <laughs> Xander, Xander explains that he washed dishes at the Fabulous Ladies Night Club for a month and a half, and apparently something happened, which he says that there's no power on this earth that he would tell that story, but yet he sets up the story that uh, <laughs> one of the male strippers called in sick. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And apparently somehow he was he was uh he was dragged in. <laughs> so so when are we gonna when are we gonna get that? <laughs> I don't think we're ever, we ever when, get that. When are we gonna get Bucky that? Him he's not allowed to tell her about it. <laughs> I wanna hear that story. <laughs> I kinda do too. It's a weird throwaway gag that I'm not I'm trying to find if there's a meaning in there somewhere that they're playing with, and it's just not. It's just a throwaway gag that apparently Xander stripped at some portion of time between, you know, graduating and returning to Sunnydale. It's a living. Uh, Xander gives her a little pep talk. I do like about that. About she's his hero, and it's, it's really nice. I do like the little Xander pep talk. I've gone through some fairly dark times in my life. Face some... Scary things. Among them, the kitchen at the fabulous ladies' nightclub. Let me tell you something. When it's dark, and I'm all alone, and I'm scared or freaked out or whatever, I always think, what would Buffy do? You're my hero. It gets weird again, because yeah, of course he, it does. It immediately makes it creepy. Yeah. And then she <laughs> says that's, a, that's another one of those things that we never talk about. <laughs> And uh, yeah, he he gives her the 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 kick in the butt to go and take out Sunday. They're gonna they're gonna straighten this all out. And uh, she says thank you, and then they they go off to do some 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 Scooby Dooing uh, at some undisclosed location with computers and files. <laughs> admissions office. Oh, it's the, the admissions office. They're the admissions office. Okay, it's they, not they, clear. They were it's, able to do that because there's no security. The, no security anywhere. No locked doors. In fact, most doors are left slightly open, um, <laughs> just to make it real easy. That way, nobody, even if the you know the doors unlocked, nobody attempts to kick in the door to cause damage to the door because they know someone's going to yeah. get in no matter what. So if the door's left slightly open, they're not even going to try to kick it in because they'll be like, "Oh, it's already open. We can just walk in." Whereas if they just left they it unlocked, they it. might still kick in the door you know it's yeah, sound the logic <laughs> so they pretty much immediately figure out where sunday and her gang are at yeah by looking into when kids stop started disappearing and finding an article in a newspaper about phi delta losing its charter they got figured out they know the locale <laughs> But this is like an administration office. Why are there old newspapers here? They're not at the library. This just happens to be an old newspaper there that says that in 1982, this happened. Yes. So they they decide to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they crawl up on the roof, and it has a skylight. And Buffy sees them trying on her clothes and is not happy about it. Nope. Then she says that, you know, she doesn't see her weapons truck down there, so they might have left it and tell Xander to go get weapons from it for her and then if not 
there, then go to Willow's and get them. Mm-hmm. And then she gets upset because they've got her diary. And Willow's or Xander's like, I'll hurry. And he leaves. And after he leaves, Buffy starts to threaten them with, hey, this time we're going to play it by my way. And the rules are just a little bit different. And she falls through the skylight and lands in front of him. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure that was a beautiful synopsis. And that was all, like, it's very enjoyable to watch Buffy kind of like descend into madness as she gets angrier and angrier and then eventually falls through. And it's just like, oh, <laughs> But uh, I just went like on a whole like mind thing because it's mentioned Mr. Gordo in here, which I thought was yeah. funny because earlier they were talking about security blankets and now she's like, she didn't have security blanket. But like Mr. Gordo feels like like a security blanket, perhaps. But also, didn't she have like that same conversation with Owen where he was that, talking about the poetry book and she and, and he was like it's like too. a like yeah. a security blanket and she's like oh i have something like that mine's an actual blanket <laughs> like am i making that up cuz i no, feel like that that's a, that's a conversation I, like, I don't carry it around <laughs> yeah. Aww. <laughs> so apparently guys like books for security blankets that's what i've learned apparently. from buffy the vampire slayer <laughs> Or somebody who was in on the writing team likes guys that like books for security blankets. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Sorry, my mind just went down a whole different path there. <laughs> Started replaying episodes from season one. I was just like, huh. <laughs> so yeah, Buffy's on the floor. Sunday talks about knowing her from beating the crap out of her. Buffy kind of stands up and makes a joke about dropping in that, oddly enough, doesn't really land. But um. Sh- yeah. <laughs> Basically, a little back and forth about, you know, what are you doing? This is, you know, kind of a diabolical plan to throw yourself at our feet with a broken arm. <laughs> and uh, Buffy, uh, I think at some point here, Buffy says, you made one mistake. And Sunday asks, what was that? And Buffy just says, well, I'm not sure, but statistically speaking, people usually make it. Leave. And then she gets punched by Sunday. And punched I think that's just as, as spazzy as Buffy is, that little like moment of just like, you know, statistically speaking, you've had to have made at least one mistake. <laughs> We're back in Buffy's dorm room and Kathy is talking to Oz and Willow um, about the note and... Oz is like, yeah, it's weird. Kathy says it's weird. Willow says it's weird. And that Buffy would never do that. And then is like, oh, except for when she did that. (laughs) Um, And Kathy makes a point that she requested a stable non-smoker. Yes. I like that. It's not her writing. Yeah, I like that Oz Oz knows that. That's cool. Oz, little detective Oz. God, I wanted Oz on Angel so bad. (laughs) I wish he would have. We get we get one shining episode with Willow a little different. Yeah. So they, they kind of start trying to figure it out and Oz is like being realistic and saying like, you know, she either took off or she was robbed. And then that's when Xander comes in and says, it's a prank. It's a, you know, funny prank. And uh, they they get excited and Xander hugs Willow and then Xander hugs Kathy and realizes he doesn't know who Kathy is. Uh, and then there's the little exchange where Oz and Xander are too manly to hug. Oh, um, yes. Definitely. Yes, definitely. And then, and then he further explains that the prank was conducted by Buffy's friends who sleep all day and have no tans. And, and uh, everybody the most on. Yeah, most brilliant acting. Like, the, you can tell these guys have been covering for Buffy for years. <laughs> 
<laughs> not suspicious at all. And then Xander even oh, goes, nope, nope, they took the chest. <laughs> Says it out loud so the audience understands that that's what he's looking for at that moment is the weapons chest. <laughs> they leave to go to Willow's and Kathy just kind of looks past them and doesn't think anything of it. And I'm sorry, if this was my roommate, I'd be asking all kinds of questions. <laughs> Like, yeah. Well. All kinds of questions. Kathy's a little funny, too, so. <laughs> True. She just wants to go to go to college. Yeah. She doesn't, she doesn't fully understand the, the human's tendencies yet. <laughs> She's just rolling with it. <laughs> so, as they're, as they're walking to, Xander says that they gotta go get supplies, and Willow asks if Buffy's in danger, and Xander says she's in a holding pattern, and then we cut to Buffy just getting welled on some more. <laughs> yeah. Getting smacked around real good, and then Sunday comes around holding Buffy's Class Protector Award, and everybody in the audience oh, gasps. No. <laughs> yeah, no. No, can't do that. <laughs> Buffy says, you don't want to touch that. And Sunday drops it on the floor and breaks it with her foot. And um, grabs Buffy by the arm, starts talking about how it doesn't look so good and that it might have to come off. And uh, Buffy says that she only needs one. And yeah, Buffy's Buffy's starting to get her groove back. Apparently breaking that particular item. Another one of Buffy's mini security blankets <laughs> that she does not have. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Buffy uh, starts to turn the tide for sure. And uh, one of the vamps says, this is starting to suck. <laughs> They're not into it. Either. These are like just the chillest, like, we just want everything to go our way. And if somebody fights back, this is a bummer, man. <laughs> I think two of them flat out run away. <laughs> one of them we see, but I think one of them gets away that we never see again. <laughs> They're just out. Any yeah, kind of resistance, fight. they're just done. <laughs> But yeah, Buffy Buffy fights, grabbing items around. There, like she sees her weapons chest, but does she ever go for her weapons chest? I think she just fights she with stuff. She crawls for it at one point, doesn't she? Yeah, but I don't think she ever gets to it. I think she just fights with other s stuff around the room, including like a yeah, like she snaps a tennis racket and uses that as the final stake. Right? Is that what she uses? Yes. Yeah. A tennis racket. Yeah. Um, so and anyway. she uses that's what she normally does. She yeah. Normally uses stuff she don't need finals. no weapons. <laughs> So, yeah, the Scoobies run in, Buffy's fighting handily, uh, Will Willow dusts a vamp, Xander dusts a vamp, everybody's doing pretty good, and then Sunday in the fight with Buffy again, and uh, Buffy says, when you look back at this, in the three seconds it'll take you to turn to dust, I think you'll find the mistake was touching my stuff. So a little callback, the one mistake oh, she yeah. made. And and Sunday says, what about breaking your arm? And Puffy's like, let me answer that with a headbutt. Yes. <laughs> and, and then eventually says that her arm is hurt, but then like just smashes her across the room with a with a punch from from her injured arm and says it's not broken and uh this is when uh more vamps take off and sunday's pretty much all that's left in there after everybody else has been dusted or ran and oz asks if buff needs help and buffy does just that iconic like steak twirl <laughs> Mm -hmm. And flings it back at Sunday and just casually walks off the screen as that. Sunday dusts in the background. <laughs> I love that. But yeah. I would like to point out, though, that when she says, and for the record, the arm is hurt. It's not broken. Mm -hmm. Earlier in the script, it does say that it's broken. <laughs> She's already healed that it some. Is splintered. <laughs> yeah, pointing it out. But yeah, um, this is 
this is pretty typical of Buffy. When Buffy's beat down and then somebody says something or does something and then suddenly Buffy's got her fire back. But Oh yeah, do not mess with that umbrella. Yeah, when we talk about like Buffy and her like emotional core and like how heartwarming that scene is at the end of the prom and how it's just like a cherished moment for so many fans and like Buffy struggling so emotionally and then like Sunday snapping that and that could definitely be one of those things that breaks Buffy further but instead Buffy's like you know what this is this is my moment I'm gonna take all of these emotions and I'm gonna put them back into my slaying and I'm gonna do some good slaying and <laughs> uh, yeah she does a it's a little bit of a jarring 180 but she definitely gets gets her groove back <laughs> I think the oddest thing like I could kind of buy the gang arriving and that really pushes Buffy to like be better at fighting again the the class protector world while it is a a, a symbol of Buffy's high school years and you know all of the all of the power that she gained through those years and all of the encouragement that she felt from the student body in that moment of getting that award it's just it, it feels, uh, again, like just one of those moments where Buffy's no longer weak because Buffy's no longer weak. You know, like, you just, yeah. you just, you know, say something that irritate her in just the right way. <laughs> and then she's, she's, she's no longer feeling like her little self-conscious, I can't do this, my arm hurts, kind of, you know. It's just, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, like, regress Buffy in the way that you did in this episode to where she feels so childish, she feels so much like Willow season one in certain scenes, and then you just have that 180. Like, it's, it's fun to watch, but it's weird to dissect as you're, like, watching it critically, and you're just like, huh, <laughs> that's, that's kind of lazy writing, but okay. <laughs> I can see her. I can see her losing it, though, at that point. Mm-hmm. To where she's like, oh, no. Yeah. No. I just... I remember who I am. Yeah. I feel like, for me, I know the Class Protector Award is a, a big deal to Buffy, but it's not, it's not the big deal to Buffy like it is the big deal to the fans. I don't know. Like, I feel like I like the Class Protector Award, but it has so little screen time. It has the one scene that everybody cherishes and then it's kind of busted up here. But like, she also talks about Mr. Gordo, which is something that she's had for years and years. It's a childhood toy and they're messing with that. That didn't, that didn't snapper, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know why the, the class protector award being the thing to trigger her specifically bugs me, but it kind of bugs me because I don't think it's as important to Buffy as it is to the fans. I think it's more of a nod to the fans and a nod to the, the place and time she got it and the breaking free of high, high school years. I feel like it's more of a, a symbol for the audience than it is a symbol for Buffy at this point. Like, that's just... If they had had more time with it, I just don't know. I could see if it remained a prominent fixture. And it may. It may just always be in the background and I never notice it. But it's so garish. <laughs> you think you would notice it in the background of Buffy's room. <laughs> but the fact that it's kind of forgotten after this episode and it's acted as yeah. her turning point. I think that's what bugs me. And there's a lot of things in the high school years that kind of happens too. Like there's a lot of items that are really significant that eventually just kind of fall away. 
Wasn't there a scene at the end of season five where she gets out that silver necklace and puts it on? I don't think so. Maybe. I thought there was. Like, it'd been in a drawer for a really long time, and she's going back to who she is and, and all that. Yeah. And I she don't... puts it back on. I don't remember. I think yeah, but maybe. Like, I might be thinking about a different season, too, though. Maybe. Yeah. Like, the necklace, the the ring. A lot of ring. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Gordo. Mr. The, Pointy. Mr. Pointy. The umbrella. Like, all of them, I like, I'm trying to think if there's a moment later in the series that any of those items make an appearance again. And nothing's coming to mind. The idea of stuff being something that Buffy, maybe that's my problem. I think I figured it out. I haven't been able to articulate my thoughts about this episode very well because I didn't prep for it very well. But I think my problem is, is that stuff is what brings Buffy back, right? Gets Buffy's mojo back is items, random stuff that we we don't really bring up again. It was significant in the high school year stuff. And that's what gets her groove back in this to fight Sunday in this moment where she's still getting beaten. And then suddenly she has that turning point because now her stuff's getting broken on top of being stolen. But it's just while there's lots of items that are significant to the fandom they all stop seeming significant to Buffy after this episode (laughs) and it's like a turning point for her where she gets her groove back she starts fighting and winning again because of the these symbols that we associate with Buffy the Vampire Slayer getting hurt right you know she mentions Mm -hmm. Mr. Gordo she mentions Mr. Pointy there's all of this stuff that's mentioned of the past and it's not in it after this so it's like a weird, it's like a weird remnant of Buffy history. It's, it's odd. I think that's my issue. It's like it's, it's stuff and not people that get her back on track. Even though Xander ultimately is the person that got her back on track earlier in the episode. But like in this fight where she's still not really back at it correctly. It's not when the gang arrives. It's when Sunday breaks the, the, cl- the class protector award that Buffy does the 180 and even though Buffy came from that materialistic lifestyle that's the thing that would turn her around I could see Mm -hmm. threatening a friend turning her around Buffy has abandoned all of her stuff before (laughs) yeah she she went and lived in a crappy apartment at the end of the the, before she had the class protector umbrella yeah yeah the class protector umbrella is you know at the end of the uh show like everything like her entire slate's yeah, wiped clean yeah. and she's happy like that's a hopeful happy ending it's just like it's just weird that stuff is the thing i don't i i think i think it's because i don't like consumerism <laughs> i'm anti-consumerism stuff isn't important buffy <laughs> it's it's a weird route i went down there a weird rabbit hole i went down there and you know that happens to me sometimes <laughs> It's not a fully formed idea, but it's something, there's something there that I think just doesn't quite work. <laughs> anyway, Buffy mm-hmm. gathers all of her stuff. <laughs> yes, and every- <laughs> all her stuff. They, uh, everybody helps her carry it out and uh, have a brief conversation about how uh, all that other stuff is just sitting there, right? <laughs> It'd be we- a crime to not use it. Yeah, we realize how important stuff is. <laughs> I do like that a bunch of broke college students are realizing, hey, there's a house full of stuff we could just take. <laughs> yep, lots of stuff. I'm sure some of it went to both furnish both Oz and Xander's places. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Makes a lot uh, of sense. <laughs> and then here comes Giles. Yes. 
And Giles is, he was wrong. He will always help Buffy. He is here to support her. Let's go get the evil. Yeah. Where was this like, guy in season six? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he comes, or in season seven, because Giles in season seven, just what, who, who is that? <laughs> we'll get there. Anyway, and Buffy's like, oh, yeah, thanks. And he's like, is the evil this way? And she's like, no, my room. <laughs> I do find it funny that like, you know, it's the box gag where Willow's just like, Giles, can you get this box? Well, like of the people carrying stuff, you know, you have Buffy who has superpowers and then Xander's, you know, pretty, pretty well built. And you have Oz who's, who's short, but you know, could, could definitely probably carry stuff. I mean, he's in a band. They, they haul stuff all the time. And then you have little Willow <laughs> with like two giant boxes. <laughs> And I was just like, who, arra who arranged these? She can't even see over them. <laughs> but yeah. Um, and then they all just kind of talk about how college is kind of a lot like high school. Uh, that Buffy can handle that. Um, yeah. And she knows what to expect, at least. And then we cut to the unexpected. <laughs> but uh, yeah, one of the vamps that got away, uh, you know, running around, doing his this vampy running away, sneaky sneakies. And um, he gets he gets zapped. He falls and starts like spasming as as like electric like currents go through him. And there's uh, some soldier boys. Just hanging out, mm -hmm. coming out of the Come shadows, and uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see how much of my like fan theory headcanon's gonna play out in the idea that the initiative forms partially because of the absence of the mayor. Like I I, I came up with that concept when we were watching season three, and I'm really intrigued by if there's anything that I could kind of read in between the lines that would make me in a place where I could headcanon that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like the fact that they're that out in the open. I don't know if it ever establishes how long they've been in the area. But like, man. Well, it says Riley's a junior. Yeah. I'll see if I can make it work in my head. But I like the idea of the mayor's gone and no longer has his thumb on everything that's happening in Sunnydale. So immediately, large agency, you know, moves in to start hunting demons and experimenting on them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they'd have had trouble doing that with the bear around. Yeah. Or uh, maybe he would have supported it. Maybe you know? he funded the whole thing. Maybe that's the headcanon I need to find. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, so that's Freshman. It's a bit of a rocky episode, as was our analysis of it. A bit rocky in places. <laughs> Maybe it'll all come out in editing. <laughs> and and guess what? Next week's Angel. We're gonna, we gonna do Angel. Season one, episode one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Excited. Cordelia's back. Excited. <laughs> and we get to meet Doyle. Aw, I'm sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next episode, we're doing Angel, and tentatively, the plan is to just flop back and forth, do an episode of Buffy, an episode of Angel. If we see that that's really gonna, like, break the flow at one point, we might reorder them slightly, but it's fully spoiled. We know what happens, so if it's just a minor, like, this thing hasn't happened in this episode yet, but it's mentioned in the other show, it'll be fine. We'll make it through. Yeah. <laughs> they tried really hard to, to yeah. keep them. They line up. They line up pretty well, but yeah. Angel, we're adding Angel to the mix, and uh, we're going to cover all of it, all of Buffy Buffyverse. We're going through all seasons of Buffy, all seasons of Angel, and mm -hmm. it's going to take a long time, but we're going to do it. 
What about Firefly? Are we going to do Firefly? Uh, there is that that like fan theory that that's still part of the Buffy verse. Yep, <laughs> like there's, uh, it's all like super future, and that uh, River's a, a a Slayer. Yeah, let's do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's that's where I was going with. It. <laughs> might be a Slayer that was uh, activated. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And this is where we say bye. Bye.